the thing about success, you can achieve it in a counterfeit way and people will never know. Value is the intrinsic quality, the, 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 the intrinsic um, behavior that achieves success. And it doesn't need to be alarmed. It is what it is, if you understand what I mean. Whereas success is the, is the throne that people put on it, is the, is the crown that you're given and that people excel you for. But they never know how you got that. But value is that which is hidden. And it may never be seen until it's time of revealing. Welcome to the Valuable Podcast, where there is value in every conversation. I'm your host, Victor Sasanya, and today I am joined by Arenzi Nwana, musician, financial technology postgrad, and income and investment banker. In this episode, we discuss Arenzi's journey with strengthening his relationship with God and prioritizing his spiritual life to succeed whilst avoiding burnout. First things first, shout out Zencaster, who is the sponsor of this episode and season two of the Valuable Podcast. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcasting platform, which I've personally used from day one to record my podcast. So there's no lies told. I know this platform. I record both quality audio and HD video online using Zencaster. So if you want to start a podcast, then you can too, with 30% off your first three months. So go to Z en.ai forward slash valuable one and use my promo code valuable one alternatively just click the link in the description below then apply the code valuable one Zencaster has over 10,000 podcasters like myself in the creator network and they're successfully matching brands and companies with podcasters every day so even if you're a brand interested in sponsoring this show or running a podcast as to grow your business go to zen.ai forward slash valuable pod one and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business dreams to life without further ado let's get straight into this episode and thanks for having me on board. Like, um, really appreciate. I love what you're doing. I've, I've been keeping up with the other other podcasts, and it's it's really inspiring. And I think it's going to inspire a lot of people, um, even the young ones that are coming up as well. When they see stuff like this, will be very encouraging. So I think it's powerful. No, I appreciate it. And just even even your story from <laughs> because you've been like all over the media, all over my feed anyway, with Renzi to business school. But we'll, we'll get into that later, Um, exactly how you got into business school and you're studying a master's at the moment. But you sort of had that, not career switch, but should I say academic degree switch from um, chemical engineering to finance and technology. So let's just take it back to when you were, I guess, in secondary school, like when you were young, what what was that career? What did you want to be growing up? I think when I was young, um, I had like most African parents, um, African homes. I had that imposed mentality where I thought I was going to do medicine. Internally, I, when I was a kid, I always said I wanted to be a banker when I was five, like five or six, five or four or five. And my mom used to tell me that, but um, I didn't realize as I grew up, you know, you get influenced by your environment and your society. And then the mentality, especially when I was secondary school, the only the, the mentality was that you become a, like most African people becoming doctors or whatnot. And my parents were all like, oh, we want our, our family to be doctors. And so in secondary school, I had the mentality I was going to become a medical doctor. And then I realized like I was good at all the sciences and maths and whatnot, but I didn't like medicine, man. It wasn't what I was intrinsically good at. And, um, Eventually, once we got our GCSE grades, I went to Brampton, obviously, um, from All Saints. And at All Saints, I, I did my, I wanted to have a diverse set. So in case I changed my mind and eventually want to go back into medicine, I could. So I did chemistry, physics, economics, and uh, what, what else did I do? Economics and math. Sorry, that's it. Uh, so that gave me, like, if I wanted because you only needed two sciences and math to do medicine. Yeah? So, um, but eventually I decided, now nah, I wanted to do engineering but that took me long i couldn't really find my my um my compass i don't know why and to be honest i remember there was i think i went to play somewhere and someone told me that they saw me um uh doing something in business or something like that but i was like at that time i didn't really take those kind of things seriously so i was like no let me just follow what i wanted to do in engineering because engineers eventually you can do anything um you can switch to do banking or switch to do whatever you want and so ultimately, um, 
I was like, okay, let me do engineering, something that allows me to develop a diverse set of skills that I can leverage in any kind of uh, place if I wanted to switch. And then, so I did engineering and yeah. Wow. I mean, you, you sort of just brushed over, oh, I just went to Brampton. <laughs> and uh, that, that's a, it's a hot topic and it's a hot name. Um, and if you're listening, you don't know what Brampton Manor Academy. So they're that school that sends around, or I think on average, what, 40 um, students from their sixth form to Oxbridge. So Oxford and Cambridge. And they, I think they're sending more than like the most prestigious schools such as Eton and different independent private paying schools. So transitioning from I think you said all Saints, so a school in like East London, um well school in Dagenham to, to Brampton Minor. Was that a, a big switch in your academia? I think yeah, I think it really shows the power of um association and your environment. Um because I remember when we were leaving All Saints, they didn't want us to leave. I think that day um, on that day, the BBC came because they were surprised by the grades at All Saints on that day. Um, but I didn't care about nothing that was going on because I didn't apply to Brampton. So I had to get there first and show them my grades and whatnot. Um, yeah. I did not care. They wanted to do this BBC thing. I was like, I'm not interested. I ran straight away to Brampton. I was like, I'm not staying here. Um, and it was good because I think at the end of A-levels, not that many people did fantastic. Um, well, to the level that I know they could have if they've been in a different environment because your environment really cycle conditions you to how you perform. And then who you meet affects how far you go. Like, so I met like really close friends that I have um, that we work together like day and night, like Baker Lubwama. Um, so he's a, he's a medic at Cambridge. We were like, we were like this, like we worked day, night, day, night, day, night. Um, so that really changed um the people I had as friends, like, because I was used to being probably the, one of the smartest in the crowd. So going to, like, being what an average, or still relatively smart, but an average amongst, like, a lot of people that are very smart, you then start to develop a, a lot faster and your mentality changes and all of that things. Yeah, man. So it's just like networking, how you meet someone, you meet someone and your mentality changes. You never, you probably do something that you never thought you could have. Um, just that kind of thing. So that happened to me mentally. And so I started thinking in a different way. I started aiming in a different way. Like I, if I didn't go to Brampton, I probably would have gone to like some any, any other uni, probably not, probably even Russell group. Cause I didn't know unis were that important like that. It enlightened me in a lot of, um, a lot of ways. So Brampton was sort of like that switch in your head and gave you like sort of options and allowed you to understand that in life there's so much more you can sort of aim for and go for and that's what made you study. So is that where you you sort of found engineering as a potential course of your career? Yeah, during that Brampton period, I found a lot of things, man. Um, I found that's when I really took um, like a lot of things opened up, both even spiritually, um, yeah, that's when I realized, okay, let me go for engineering. It was at Brampton. I made that switch because um, before then I was still in between. I didn't know how to find what I was called to do or what I wanted to do. So I was just like, oh, let me just do engineering. Um, let me just do engineering instead of like medicine. So it was at Brampton. I made that switch. Yeah. And you wasn't, I don't think you passed through the school as well, just like, that one that just goes in and studies because he said you found many things and I know that you actually started up Christian Union in 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 the sixth form and yeah. you know that's a big thing because I know that it's still running as of today so yeah. even that like where did you get the courage should I say was that a calling to say oh let me start up this union what, what was it like did you meet at break time after school lunchtime I can say at that time I knew God was doing a little revival in that in that in that Brampton because. I've always, I was always like a prayer, like not a prayer person. Um, I was always like a lover of God, even at All Saints. Everyone knew that. Um, I was used to, even though I didn't know much, I was used to preaching somehow, some capacity. Um, but at Brampton, I actually initially stopped, I stopped all of that. I, like I wanted to do a new like vibe at Brampton initially. And then it was during that period that a big shift happened in my family. And this big shift was with my brother. And then we just like a, a crowd, like two or three men of God came into our lives. And um, from there, our lives just shifted. Like, um, I can't really, if I go into this story, it would just be a long story. But um, our lives shifted. Um, and so as a function of that, 
so many spiritual things started happening that I didn't even think were possible. Up to now, my, my relationship with God was just that I love God. I, I used to listen to worship music and cry, that kind of experience. But then the spiritual realm became so real in that period. Um, and when that thing, when it opened up, I, I had a burning desire to just know Jesus. I remember my passion at that time was to see Jesus face to face. It was mm. a disgusting fire in my heart. I could, I could, I remember even whilst I was in Brampton, I was doing crazy fasting. I wouldn't eat for days. I remember my teacher was looking at me, David, are you okay? I was in class like this. <laughs> they were teaching, I was conking out. I was looking at one guy that, that, that something fried your brain. But so there was a burning desire. And um, I remember there was a day I was worshiping the Lord. And, and then I heard a voice, will, will you know me and your friends will be perishing? And then, then a burning desire came for me to start praying for my friends. I said, okay. And so what I used to do, but naturally on my own, I just used to pray. I would just, when I started praying in the spirit, I would go a break time, start praying. I'd go at lunch and start praying. Before school, I'd be praying. After school, I'd be praying. And then so eventually, I, mean, I think it was Matty. His name is Matthew. Um, he's like, yo, bro, let me join you. Um, that he wants to be, he wants to learn this thing that's happened to me. <laughs> and then um, I, I showed him, I told him the word a bit, and then he, he became on fire as well. And so he started joining me in praying every lunch and every break time and whatnot. Before we knew, two other people came, three other people came, four other people came. The class was like 30 people, um, 30, 40. And then I was surprised. Even me, I was shocked. I remember the, the time that the hand of God was moving in the service. People were shaking in the in the Christian year. Um, oh. It was actually then I had the first encounter with spirits in the classroom. I remember the teacher came in and somebody was was uh, moving somehow. I said, like, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, me, I don't know what's going on. This is my first, <laughs> this is my first rodeo. Um, so it was then I experienced the hand of God. And um, so that's how the Christian you started. I didn't have an intention to start it. I, I, at that time, I, I was more advanced spiritually than most of my peers, right? And so I had, I knew I had a mandate to teach them. People used to come to me. I, I would teach them about praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, and all of these things. Um, about spiritual encounters, about hearing the voice of God, about things like that. I would I start teaching very sporadically. Like we would all be on the train. I'll just be standing, and then people will ask questions, ask questions. These were my age people, right? And um, and I saw a lot of them. Even till now, a lot of your friends they will tell you the same thing. I know your your friends with a lot of the people I know. I won't mention any names, but they will tell you the same thing. Yeah, so that's how it happened. And then it was actually in that period I started growing in the gifts of the Spirit. It was by serving the people, I, I started learning myself more about the Spirit realm, etc. And um, that's how it opened up for me. I didn't plan it to happen. It just kind of happened. You know, I didn't plan, oh, I'm going to start Christian Union. Nah. In fact, it was called Jesus Club at, at one point. Why I actually called it, called it was Brampton Fellowship. Then eventually it was called Jesus Club. Then Eventually, I just said, call it Christian year, and that was it. Yeah. And then every other year has been maintained, and I've seen it impact lives. Oh, my God. Crazy. And um, I still train some of the people every other year, well, every year. And I once I once they're strong, they train the other people so that we have, like, you're spreading the gospel through generations. Like, I won't be there all the time, but I know everyone else that I've at least been able to train or show the, the, the pathways of prayer, or the fundamentals of, of our faith will continue to go on. But yeah, that's how that's how it happened. It was the grace of God. Oh wow. No, that that is a, a very, very sort of powerful story. And I can see that you're very, very strong in your faith. And I just wanted to so you you got into Brampton Man and I feel like in that two years alone you've just had a three sixty transformation and that's now been your pillar um going on to like your next stage of your career, your next stage of your life, um, going into this um, chemical engineering degree. So even studying this, like how many years did you even study um, your degree and, and what university was it at? Yes, I, I did my undergrad um, chemical engineering at UCL for three years. Um, I initially came thinking I'll do four years, but once things start switching, I started, okay, cool, let me finish with a bachelor's in engineering and go do my master's in financial technology. Okay, so it was in that university experience 
period, sorry, where you sort of switched into the business? I mean, you, pre- you previously touched on it. Someone told you that you might be good in business, but what exactly did they say? So by this time, obviously, because I, I, I used to play the keyboard, right? Um, so some places I'll play and then men of God will say things about me. And back then I didn't really believe things like that. So I would often ignore what they're saying. It's only that after t- some period of time, I start seeing some of the, what they were saying were coming to pass. So um, I remember that I won't share all of it, but I was just giving a, an, like a, an idea. Uh, so he said, he basically said, I see you with a lot of money or something like that. Let me just say it like that. Um, I see you going into this and excess. I don't want to really go in depth, but he said, I see you in this kind of way. And initially I didn't believe what he was talking about. So I still thought I was an engineer and whatnot. So, I just ignored what he was saying. But along the way, destiny just kind of, you know, shifts you. And you know that the hand of God is upon you when life just seems to work in a strange way and things are just kind of working in order, right? So things just switched along. I think I met Georgie Mafia then. He was on on my course as well. So he, I remember one day we met for like coffee or something. And he's such a blessed guy. And we spoke. And after that conversation that we spoke, my mentality of how I treated the university changed. So there was always somebody at one point that has that changed my trajectory. So when I had any, like I, we spoke, it was just one conversation I had with George. I started seeing uni in a different way. I started seeing uni as a way to um, assist me on my divine purpose rather than getting the, the degree, doing a good job and, you know, showing everybody you got first. I used it more to help me get to my divine purpose, use it to tell, you know, when you have your vision, everything becomes a, a way to use it to get to where you need to be. Um, so I started using my degree in that way. And then thinking in that way, I started thinking more about purpose and vision and where I'm, I, I remember I went away and I think I prayed for a while. I was like, what am I meant to do? What am like, I, I now started really thinking about what I, do I need to do in this life? What am I called to do? What, do I need to? I remember I, have a, I had a vision book. I don't know if I have it with me, but I had, a, I had like a, this vision book and I wrote things down. And after that prayer season, and I just started working in alignment with what those things that I wrote. And eventually my, my, my mentality started changing towards engineering. And so I started going more towards um, business and, 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 and investment banking and finance and all of these things. And just kept on meeting different people that change your trajectory slightly. And that's how I was graced enough. And you can say I was lucky. Yeah, no, that's big. And I've, George, I've mentioned, is he not the founder of Motives? Yeah, or that's right. Motives. Uh, yeah, that, I've seen that a great organization that helps people with sort of career applications, mentoring, uh, communication skills and gets them into jobs. And um, I think I literally saw him graduate as well <laughs> not too long ago. So um, no, big up George for, for the amazing work he's doing. And if you're listening, I might link up his organization in our newsletter at www.valuablepodcast.com where if you subscribe, I share a lot of value weekly, um, not just on the podcast episode but also on what i think you guys need to know and need to hear but no it's it's very interesting how you sort of encountered different people that's kind of pivoted the trajectory of your life because i think that it's the same that we we and you talked about how university is now assisting your purpose because for me how i've had many times i mean three years you wonder how many times in three years you think why am i here (laughs) and i said to myself then i pray to come into work but i'm now complaining that i'm here because the degree is too hard it's too difficult (laughs) i i applied for a degree apprenticeship in year 13 and i got to the very last stage this is a massive massive investment bank one of the biggest very last stage however i by this time i already got my offer to study at uni warwick so i wouldn't say that 100 percent affected how i was acting in the in the final interview but i wasn't too pressed so i ended up i didn't get that but i always sort of reminisced during my university experience oh why didn't i just do that degree apprenticeship instead i would have been way more up in terms of money in terms of my network experience i wouldn't have to be doing these essays but something that you said was so powerful is sort of like this university experience has made me meet so many fantastic people so many society there will be no podcast if i wasn't in university i can even guarantee that does that make sense because i've had that time and i've had that experience and i feel like so many of us can actually go through something as in 
it's just a means to an end. Let me just get this degree because that's what everyone does. We're, we're on a conveyor belt. We go from yeah. secondary to sixth form to yeah, university exactly, exactly, to, to exactly. job. And and some of us, we're even happy now because we're getting big fancy jobs that it's like we're not still on the conveyor belt. But I feel like coming to that understanding or that place that this is actually a, a season, it's a period. And in this period, I need to learn certain things. I need to meet certain people that's going to help me on my journey. And, and it's powerful that that was for you. And I'm sure even on your degree program, you encountered some serious, powerful people because yeah, you you um made it into investment banking i believe and you you done an internship with one of the the biggest firms in the world and yeah. successfully got the return offer so talk to me a bit about what was the application or applications like to even get a, a land a role in investment banking yeah um even that again was the mercy of god and it was the hand of god um there was something called the advancing black leaders or advancing black pathways or something that I applied for. And I remember I was, I was asking all my friends, yo, you guys apply, apply. And uh, I was even helping them get in, apply, um, get into the program. And I, I think I didn't even get past this third stage. But then somehow, after after the application closed, I think they reached out to me and then they got me back on the stage after a long while. Um, there was a man called Debiden or Sekita. He was like, he was kind of... Um, mentoring me on the side right and i don't know why he was mentoring me but it was um um he was mentoring me on the side and eventually one day he said he's gonna test me and that guy is a strict guy man my god um, okay. <laughs> yeah. um i actually so- I actually um know him as well big up debiden so he he runs um if you're listening he runs spa stock pickers academy which is an organization that teaches um anyone literally no background in finance or investments basically how to pick stocks yeah. how to grow your portfolio how to manage your risk and no he's building a, a, a massive great community but i just wanted to give that shout out yeah, yeah. yeah i agree with you he's a, he's a no no nonsense man yeah no nonsense guy like sometimes he'll call me tell me call me call me at 6 a.m and i'll call him at 6 a.m and he'll ask me what's the price of this what's the price of that what's the this what's the, this what's the dax what's the vix what's the I was like, oh god um and then he asked me, what's 99 squared? What's 89 squared? What's all of this? He did that for like a couple of weeks. And then one day he was like, okay, I'm going to test you one day and um, pitch me a stock or something like that. He called me and said, pitch me a stock. After I pitched him a stock, he said, okay, cool. I'm going to get you back on the Advancing Black Leaders program. Just like that. I was like, okay. Then he got me back on the program. I did another interview with Andrew Sayemi from Rare. He was at Rare, but he's not at Rare no more. Um, Andrew, and then I did an interview with um, Andrew. After the interview with Andrew, um, I was back onto the program. And then after that, we had the interviews and then assessment center. I got past the assessment center. That was the internship. Um, the internship was really like tight. <laughs> it was tough. I won't lie. Because um, I was still doing ministry at, um, at the same time, but not as active, but I was still, I was still active. So it was really busy, like um, the hours are insane, but it was worthwhile. I think the main main points on that was uh, working hard and just staying motivated. Um, it was really long, I, I, won't, I won't lie. Um, but after that, we converted and then glory to God, everything worked out. I'm kind of jumping, 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 but that's how it worked out. Um, it started with um, Debiden and then I got back onto the ABL. From the ABL, I did the normal JP process and that was it. Yeah, see the same themes continuing. You you bumped into someone, or should I say, you know, you, you met someone that's again about to change the trajectory of your life. Exactly. If you said that, what was the one thing or two things that Debenham sort of taught you? So not specifically, but something that you think helped you in the process and even survived the internship, should I say? Because we all know that it's a grueling um sort of tough time because everyone's trying to prove themselves but you're also trying to find out if this sort of work is for you as well so it's a it's um, a bit difficult so what helped you in that process what i learned the most from being with devon was maintaining a humble mentality like um it was i believe it was the fact that i i, I was able to sustain a, a mentality that was humble that he could even stay with me because sometimes i didn't know the things he was saying but i was just I wasn't overconfident. I, I remember when I was in my first year, Rob, because I started to come into an enlightenment of where I, I knew God was taking me. You can derive 
overconfidence and everyone around me knew this i just knew where i was going so i didn't really i didn't really like to do many things be around many people i was a very, i stayed a lot alone a lot i stayed alone a lot for my first two years so i was very independent and i, I didn't really want to be around people so you can derive a self dependent and self over um overconfidence right and that is very dangerous because when you start meeting people that hide and you won't know when that speaks as pride right so yeah. when, I was with, when I was with Debiden, um, I started to know what it means to just really humble yourself and be quiet. If he's telling you to do something, do something, do it to, to the best of your ability, working hard, um, being persistent and consistent. Um, Debiden would not have helped me. I remember like, I had an interview with him and he totally destroyed me. <laughs> totally destroyed me. I had to message him after and be like, please mentor me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And that's how it happened. So I it helped. It just showed you that if you want to rise, just bow your head, bow your head, and yeah. people people will carry you up. Um, no, that, when you that's... start becoming thinking you know where you are, and that you're that guy, and I know where I'm going, that you find that you be resisted so much. But if you humble yourself, there's grace to lift you up, and um, that's that's one thing I really learned. I think it was powerful. Yeah. Wow, that's that's what you call the secret to success. I think is that element of humility. And I think nowadays as well, like you said, especially in the corporate sort of industry, there's a false sense of humility. I've, yeah. I've heard people say, you know, on LinkedIn, I talk about LinkedIn a lot because I use it, but I, I heard people say, oh, I, I'm not posting. Like they've got their internship, they've got their grad <laughs> job, or oh, I'm not going to be like these, like, oh, congratulations, I'm not posting. No, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And they think I'm humble. <laughs> but that's, it's just it's just vain glory. It's what we call hidden <laughs> pride, hidden pride, and that's even worse. Yeah, no. So um, that 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 idea of just being humble, you know, being humility, because you actually don't you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Does that make sense? You don't know what you don't know, yeah. and I feel like especially when you're meeting that. Like, OGs and, and veterans in the yeah. game we have to sort of silence yourself yeah, so yeah. after doing that internship you I know you probably carried that same sort of humility through the through the internship and yeah, you, yeah. you've now got that sort of re- return offer so during the internship was there anyone else that sort of gave you good advice to handle it whilst you're on the job there was a lady who was like she was on my team and she was like an associate and she spent like two hours or three hours on a weekend just like running me through things helping me out um other than that the internship was like you must survive on your own that kind of thing i was like you know when the, the hand of god is with you um somehow people will just come to your rescue at some point there was an md I, did, I didn't know why the man just took a liking into me he actually took me out for lunch and he just kept on speaking to me throughout the process and just encouraging me, like, um, some things he said about um, the FaceTime thing. You know, so people say FaceTime don't matter and all of that stuff. See, I won't say it here, but perhaps we'll speak about it on private. But FaceTime, to some degree, does matter. And he's, he's an MD, right? So um, so he was like, to some degree, it matters. If you see someone working really hard, obviously, you know, okay, this guy can handle the role, right? Um, so people say, no, FaceTime don't matter. You don't need to be seen, People are human. They need to see almost this guy can handle the job and this guy can't yeah. handle the job kind of thing. So he was he was giving me authentic advice from 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 a top level and um, it was really helpful on my role. No, that's powerful. And so was it at this same period you then were because this was in summer, correct? Yeah. So you were figuring out how to now get into business school or get into masters. So was um. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. So you launched your successful campaign called a Renzi to Business School. And I, I'm not sure initially how much you are funding for, but I know that in the space of a couple of months, you raised around £40,000. Yeah. And for me, just watching that campaign, I remember, I remember the day you launched it. And you yeah. see a lot of GoFundMe pages. And, you know, as, as much as I am, I try to, you know, help out here and there. And there's just so many, so many you can do. So when I saw your page and... I saw it was just different. You're coming out with promo video. There was campaigns. There were you literally you had, and I think this is what I really want to touch on is the fact that you had like a, a team. I can even say people who were so humble in serving you to make sure that you get to business school, who were doing cake sales, who were doing wearing t-shirts, who were like, 
I was like, wow, like, what does it take to get, you know, people to support you so much? Um, I'm sure there's a backstory to that. Yeah, I give you the best example um, from the person I learned from, right? Um, see, now there's so many people who are willing to die for Christ, right? And the reason why they're willing to die for Christ is because he died for us first, right? So what compels men to serve is the fact that they were served initially in such a way that they are constricted. You know, the, uh, Paul, Paul says that the love of God or the love of Christ constrains us that if one died for all, then all should die for him who died for all. Meaning that if one has served us, we, ha- we are now compelled to do the same back. So it's a lifestyle that we live that, um, and those guys were actually from the Christian Union, to be honest. Um, they were from, I think they're the fifth generation. Some of them were fifth generation. And their lives had quite, by the grace of God, God had changed their lives quite significantly from how they used to live their life. And so they they used to be around me a lot. Some of them, um, I used to spend a lot of time with them in my place. So I told them to come to my place, share with them, and etc. Um, so over time, they were, they were so passionate to help me, and um, they wanted to push it push it for me. And they they did a lot of work for me, um, even behind the scenes. And I always tell them like, you guys are my people, are my people, and I, I I'm willing to do anything for them. Um, so it's just the life of service. They they took the nature that I, I wanted them to wanted them to take, which is the life of service. My my whole life is about servanthood. It can be summed up in that one word. And I taught them the same thing, and they do the same thing for others. And likewise, they did the same thing for me. But um, yeah. But in terms of the uh, the business to business school, um, it actually was a function of a revelation. I had in 2020. I actually had an encounter when I was worshiping God in 2020, and I actually wrote a song about it. 2020. I remember I was worshiping, and then I started feeling someone behind me. And then the next thing I heard, your light has come. I didn't understand it. This was September. And I wrote, and that's where there's an album that I, I brought out, which was called Illumination. And um, and I, I heard your light has come, and I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. So I spent a lot of time trying to research where is this from, where is this from. And eventually I found out it was in Isaiah chapter 60. So I used to read Isaiah chapter 60 like almost every day, every, every day. And then this was even before I started thinking about business school. I was actually meant to go to America. The, the place I was actually going to apply for was Harvard. And then I was going to do the scholarship and everything. And then as I was finishing my application, I lost my peace. And when I lose my peace, it's very hard to get like to, to, to do anything. So I knew that I wasn't meant to go there, especially not to go there now. Um, so, and this was actually before the ministry that we're in now started. Um, but long story short, I had this revelation. And in that revelation, if you read Isaiah chapter 60, it said, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. So your gates shall be open continually that men will bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles. I, I was asking God, how will I fund this thing? Because when he told me not to go to Harvard, there was somewhere else he told me to. I said, how will I? And then I had a word from the Lord, and then I just followed the word. And then that's how I prepared so much on the on the backlog. And then when it was time and I got the sign, I just released the campaign. I just trusted God. And it was we raised almost like 50K. And a lot of the money was from mostly the two scholarships, funding just from crazy places, like things things I wouldn't have expected. And then God helped me, and everything just came into order. If it, it, the way it happened, it was like a like a film. <laughs> it was to me, it was like a film. But yeah, like um, before that, so many confirmations have happened. I remember random people were call, calling me. I remember there was even a girl. She she goes to UCL. She's actually a close friend. Um, her name is Tammy, and she just called me, David. She sounded a very high pitched voice. David, I'm getting <laughs> a lot of money. I said, Don't worry, you're in alignment. You're in alignment. Then people were just calling me before they before they even knew the campaign was coming up. So that's how I got confirmation that this is I'm in alignment with what God wants me to do. So I did it, and then I, even even um, when I did the campaign, there was a lot of like contention, and you'd be surprised the people who were contending with me um, were people who were close to me. Um, but I knew what I heard, and I just kept on following. I know the money came, and it happened it happened by the grace of God. Yeah, no, I saw that you got different scholarships from the Black Heart Foundation, the Imperial Excellence Scholarship, other student funding, and 
you know, it, you, you've touched on it from a sort of spiritual element, but like, you know, practically, how, how, how did it sort of physically, if that makes sense, like what went into running that campaign? Because there, there, there's a lot of work behind it, you know, physical work that I know. And I feel like you, you've sort of lightly brushed over it and I understand it, you know, and, and, and God has a way for somebody, you know, it will come to a pass. But sort of like, what did you have to do to play your part in that? Yeah, not to over-spiritualize it, but um, I like, there was a lot of preparation in terms of the video, making the video. But again, I was favoring that um, somebody just said they would do it for me. And his name was David. Um, he just literally said, I'll do it for you for free. And then he did the whole editing and everything, taking all the video, recording. Um, so he was a professional. So he did his stuff. I didn't pay a dime for it. Um, I just honored him after. But um, the video prep, uh, making up the leaflets, the, 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 the people that helped me, Deborah, um, Deborah Lawani, Deborah J- um, Jagade Brimson, Bosse, um, Bosse and Rachel, all of those people, they gathered together, they were reaching out to people, calling people, messaging people, emailing people whilst I was working as well. Um, so they were doing all of these cake sales I could, and anything they could do, they, they did. Um, it took a lot of the time they were crazy tired and they would just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then that's, I don't know how it happened. And that's how it happened. No, I was going to say, I, I know it was a mighty work when in my email inbox, I'm getting a random email saying, have you seen this? It runs it to business school, a whole paragraph. I said, I, <laughs> where did you even source my email from? <laughs> I was even scared myself. Where did you even get my, my email online? And that's how I know. And if, if it reached me, just to think about the many different people it reached. And, and the reason why I'm talking about this is sort of to really just highlight the extent to, to, to the, to the work if that makes sense. And, you know, people call it cold emailing, outsourcing, like sort of that you're to, to make something happen. Like you, there has to be work behind it. And I I don't want to, don't want to fluff around it. And obviously it sounds, sounds to me like you was just, you know, you were sort of just blessed, favored. In fact, let me just use that word favored in a sense that you had so many people helping you, but these people are on the ground making things move. You might have not necessarily known to the extent that which these, um, you know, emails and, and the cake sales and all sorts of ways to raise money was going out. But the fact that it all came together and it's now funded you into, into that masters. And I think so if you're, is your masters only for a year or yeah. is, is it longer? It's four years, so I finish in September. Okay, so you finish in September, and, and you join. You're going to join full time, hopefully, in in investment banking. July, yeah. What What do you think the preparation will be like for that next stage of your of your journey? Should I say we've talked about the secondary, we've talked about the sixth form, we've talked about this university masters, but now you're entering a new stage. I mean, you're already an adult, but I feel like once we leave this university place, I think life will just come come very fast at all of us. So, um, is there anything you're doing to sort of prepare for that in general? Yeah, yeah, a lot of preparation in terms of mentally. Um getting things in alignment. Um, there are things I wanted to do before the end of the year and just making sure I have things planned. First of all, I want to prepare for the, for the, for the job role itself. Uh, make sure that I'm, I'm, I can do my job really well. I think that's very, very important. You don't want to be there and be a, a liability. You want to be there and be an asset. Um, and that holds up to what you're talking about value, right? So, um, prepare as much as I can, make sure I understand the concepts, understand what my role is and how I can contribute effectively, um, be a valuable addition to the team. Um, and then beyond that, um, preparation for life on, on a wider um, scale, writing down my vision, writing down the things that I want to see before the end of the year and the things I want to see prospectively after that. Um, because when the busyness comes, it's very hard to have some time to think and get these things down Um so that's mainly what I'm doing, more mental preparation and spiritual preparation. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds good. And I think, like you said, that busyness of life. So one thing that helped me sort of, I guess, calm down, I like to walk as in, and people say, huh, like everyone walks, but I like to walk. I remember in um, a couple of years ago, I used to literally just leave my phone at home. And it's after reading a book called Digital Minimum digital minimalism by Cal Newport and um, he's a great author and he talks about how we can just minimalize the way we're connected digitally to social media in the world and he talks about one of them where we should just go on long walks and leave our phones at home I know 
for some people that might have implications my mom my dad people can't reach me but it's like you know it, it, on average I, I don't think you'll die if you leave your phone at home yeah. just just for an hour and sort of sort of go on a walk so that's what I used to do and I used to just walk and walk and you'll be surprised with that there's so much thoughts and thinking that comes on that walk like I go on a walk and I've got the next strategy I've got the strategy for the next three months Literally, one walk will I've devised the plan for the next three months, yeah. and I always feel like um, just taking that time to to whether you like nature, whether you're doing walks in the city, or even if you're going on a hiatus. What I mean by that, you're tr- you're traveling to a coffee store and you're sitting in it by yourself. You order coffee, like you're just having that downtime by yourself to be alone with your thoughts. I feel like yeah. it can go a long way and sort of plan plan your the journey ahead. So it's good that you're mentally preparing as well for what's going ahead. Yeah, like the most question that I always get is people ask, how do you maintain a balance? Because obviously there's ministry, there's working, there's my music, there's mentoring, and mentoring is probably one that takes most of my time, mentoring and building people. It takes a lot of time to really invest in somebody's life that will make them stop all the bad stuff they used to do and start living a good life. It takes That's the one that probably takes most of my time in, in life, investing in people because you have to call them every day. Sometimes I'll tell them to come and spend the whole day in my house. Um, come and stay here. You'll be working here. You'll be studying here. Some people that were failing, totally failing their degrees, failing, failing, failing in all ramifications of life. You bring them close. You stay with them day and night. How do you balance that? How do you balance your prayer life, your spiritual your spiritual life with your working life? How do you make sure you're still ex- um, and excelling in your studies and all of these things? The biggest advice I can give for anyone in ministry, in working, in, in banking or working, and all of these things, you're quite busy, is to have discipline, very strict discipline, and to not play with your spiritual life. The one advice, the mentors that told me, there was a man, um, I won't mention his name just so it won't cause any problems, but he's a millionaire, but he works in ministry. And in his ministry, he pays everyone's salary. Everybody, he funds ministries. He funds so many things. Um, pays for widows, buyers, and he told me these things. He said, I say, the one, the first time when you crash is when your spiritual life dies. And this happened to me three times. There was some, there was a week where things were just happening. Life was so busy. For a week, I didn't remember when I slept. I would wake up not knowing when I slept every day for like five days. And it was because I was giving so much and my, my spiritual life was not sustaining it. And this advice I give up, strict discipline. Make sure you don't joke with your prayer life, your meditation, all of these things. They come first. It's, it's the spirit of a man that sustains him. Nobody understands that thing. It's only when you get totally busy. That's why you, I have a lot of people who are busy. A very some known people and they'll come and tell me I'm suffering from depression, suffering from this. How do you do it? And I'm telling you, you will suffer from depression, everything, because your spirit cannot sustain what you're doing. I live a very prayed life. I pray throughout the day, I pray through the night, and the atmosphere I stay in. That's why music is important. It cultivates the presence of God, which sustains me. But discipline, when you wake up, having a very strict lifestyle. That's how you'll be able to do a lot. If you, if you live a very loose life, you wake up whenever you want to, um, you sleep whenever you want to, you pray whenever you like, you read your Bible whenever you like. Oh, you are, you are, you are a casualty waiting to happen. You are going, oh my God. You are, you are about to crash. You are playing on high velocity, about to hit a brick wall. I'm telling you, like, if you live a very loose life, you, re- you regret it. Live a very, take the narrow way. You know that Jesus gives us that power about the broad and the narrow way. It's hard. It's hard, but eventually it becomes very profitable. Well, obviously, living this life now, we were trained, but obviously no one saw when we were trained. For five years, praying in the secret, all of these things, so, so that we can build people, we can do all these things, and still be able to not crash. Prayer is the most one of the most important things. Meditation, very important. Um, and then your career. Studying, I study, I used to study. I remember I'll wake up 5 a.m., I'll stay in the library, get the library around 6, 7, stay to the library around 11 p.m., go home, pray, sleep, wake up again. This will be a hard talk, but me, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't shift my doctrine from what people will say. If you can't pray one hour a day, you need to ask for help. 
get someone that will teach you how to pray. The, the disciples told Jesus, teach us to pray. But you need to learn to grow your spiritual life. You, you, you live in a multidimensional realm. You know, you know, everybody knows that this realm cannot just be physical. You know that there's a physical and there's a spiritual dimension. You can't just be working hard in the physical and leave your spiritual. One day you suffer from depression. And depression is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. I've had many people that listen to my instrumentals and depression will flee. It's a spiritual thing. Start first from the spirit. Because your spirit is weak. And you're going around a lot of people's spirit. And it's impressing yours. So your spirit must be strong to sustain a busy lifestyle. So make, even when, whilst I was at a bank, even the security guard used to see me when I'll go, I'll leave the office and be praying. The guy asked me, where are you from? I said, ah, don't worry about that, my son. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a security guard. I'll, I'll walk around the, 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 the company and be praying. I, you cannot fall. And that's why at the bank, I was consoling people who could not handle it. They were like, I've never seen someone as motivated and as hardworking as you. And they didn't understand. It was the spiritual thing that kept me consistent. And I was still doing ministry. And most of the people that were in, in, on my team, they were not doing anything else. They were going and drink in the evening. They were going to do all these things. All I was doing, I worked hard. I stayed in the office the latest. I, I came the earliest. And I was still, what's it called? Maintaining my spiritual life. Your spiritual life should not be voided. If you void it, you crash. There's every sustenance comes from the spiritual and then it must manifest in the physical. You become stable. Your vision will be clear. If you come, become too busy, you will lack vision. You become very confused. Very confused. All these things that people always ask me, and I think this is one of the most important things. Balance, strict balance is important. And you must balance the spiritual with the physical. Work hard, spend hours in studying, and do the spiritual side as well. And I wanted to quickly touch on it. On your LinkedIn, you said a, a very famous, interesting quote by Albert Einstein, and it says, try not to become a man of success, rather become a man of value. And you know this is the Valuable Podcast, so we love that quote there. But... What does that mean to you? What, why, why is that something you've published? That's a very, very, very powerful quote. Um, try not to be a man of success, but be a man of value. Like, you know, the zenith, the zenith of value is when it's fully demonstrated in purpose, right? And the, the, the thing you need to notice is that success is the, is the thing that everyone sees. Value is that which is hidden, right? And when value is demonstrated in purpose that's when it becomes truly potent and success does not sustain the capacity to influence generations value does right success is just the 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 the, the you know the medal for having value and not many people not all people that are valuable have make success doesn't mean they're not valuable right success is just the you know i give you a trophy wow in the first class you get um for your degree but um the thing about success, you can achieve it in a counterfeit way. And mm. people will never know. Value is the intrinsic quality, the, 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 the intrinsic um, behavior that achieves success. And it doesn't need to be alarmed. It is what it is, if you understand what I mean. Whereas success is the, is the throne that people put on it, is the, is the crown that you're given and that people excel you for. But they never know how you got that. But value is that which is hidden. And it may never be seen until it's time of revealing, right? And um, I think that's important because you get, people get so excited about having success. Um, success is not something necessary you should chase. Um, I think Jim Rohn is the one that always says it's, it's what you achieve, it's what you get from who you become, right? So um, the zenith, and I always say zenith of, of value, again, is when it's demonstrated in purpose. Success is just that um, thing that the world wants to put on it and say, wow, you are now a first-class student, even though you might have cheated the whole way through that first, first degree. And I give you a first class, and, and everyone will say, wow, you're first class. But true value is that you learned everything you were integral in studying that degree and you became someone worthy of a first class, right? Mm -hmm. You understand? You might not have been given, let's say something happened, you, you weren't able to get a certificate, but you are still a first class student without the first class certificate, right? Wow. So that's important. Value is that which none can see. No one can see that. It is hidden. And the things which are hidden are actually more potent than the things which are seen. That's why the spiritual realm is far more powerful than the physical, right? So, and everything that 
that um and this is i'll use this to explain this um in the book of i'm a bible man so you have to accept that um, <laughs> Um, in the book of Hebrews, he says, we know that the things which are seen are derived from the things which are unseen. Now, it is important to know that value is the thing which is unseen and it brings forth success, which is the thing that it is seen. So, and the thing which is not seen is far greater than the thing which is seen because it controls the thing which is seen. So that's, a, that's, a, that's why I believe becoming a man of value is far greater than becoming a man of success. Wow. That... I've, I don't even think I've heard that perspective or that broken down so well. And I 100% agree with that in a sense. You made it so applicable as well that we attach success to what we can see and that crown first class. But there's so many people scheming through life. <laughs> and because of social media, it's, it's even it's made it so much easier easier for people to now get away with those schemes because i can post something today you have no idea what i did to even get that you'll congratulate me you'll story post me you will exactly. shout me out to your friends you'll mention my name in rooms i'm not there <laughs> and and when push comes to shove and that inherent that sort of behind the scenes sort of value and Jim Rohn, I listened to Jim Rohn as well, you know, absolutely the, the wisdom even in, in some of his talks is absolutely phenomenal. And yes, he talks about it's more important to the man or the woman you become. And, and he's like, I, I call him, he's the pioneer of personal development. When we talk about personal development space, self-development, I know he had a mentor called Earl Shoef, Earl Shoef. Oh, I am I mixing it up? Yeah, it, it was Earl Shoff, but Earl Nightingale as well has the, the Stranger Secret. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's there's a lot of them titans in the game in terms of personal development, but they, they actually repeat the same thing. Same thing. Who you become. It, where they get it from, it's the Bible. Do you know how, mm. how much Jim Rohn quotes the Bible? He takes all his teachings from the parables that Jesus taught. Same as Earl mm. Nightingale. It's crazy. Yeah. So, and people neglect the Bible so many times, but the secrets are all in there. And and they communicate it in such a way for people of our generation to understand. And I feel like that's with all sorts of information. And I keep on saying it, like stuff like all the success quotes and sayings, practice makes perfect. Um, you're the average of the five people you spend your most time with. Like, there's nothing new under the sun. This information <laughs> has been communicated before and it's being communicated again and again and again. And I feel like that's that sort of switch. I mean, again, um, you know, rest in peace, Bob Proctor. And Bob Proctor was another one of those who talks about the paradigm shift. That sort of, I just call it that light, that revelation that will just change your mindset. He talks about the paradigm shifts, how we grow up as children, which I do believe, and we sort of just take in things, you know, into our subconscious. We don't know how to think. So when we grow older, that subconscious shows, but you then make an active decision. Wait, I need to now change my mindset. I need to now change the information that I was just given and learn something new. And, and that's going to change my outcomes and my behaviors. And I think that's so powerful as well. I completely agree. No, absolutely. And I can just see you, I can see your keyboard in the background. So <laughs> I know you're, you're a man of faith, but you're also a, a musician. I don't know if you're a part-time musician. Is it, is it by day or by night? <laughs> uh, <laughs> was it by day or by night? Um, yeah, so I used to play keys a lot as an as a musician. Now it's more of a thing. Um, it's more just how I c communicate with the father. Um, obviously, I do a lot of instrumentals, etc., and make a lot of um, spiritual sounds and whatnot. So it's it's, it's day and night. <laughs> For sure. When when was your first experience? playing the keyboard or with keys like when did you first lay hands on it uh um when i was in year nine year nine year ten year nine year ten i just saw someone play and i was like, oh i really want to play i've always wanted to play an instrument but um i remember there was someone that told me oh it's something that that's natural you can't really learn it you just have to have a natural inclination to it and so it put me off see this is why when you're young who you listen to and who impacts your life is very important and so they said this to me and I, I was running away from instruments because I thought you had to be naturally gifted and you have to be naturally a musician. And eventually I just, one day I remember um, 
there's someone, his name is Tobiola. He told me one song, which was CeeLo Green from the keyboard. And I played CeeLo Green for so many times, played that song for hours. Um, and eventually, the next song I learned was You Are Alpha. And I remember I was struggling to learn the song because it was so hard. And I asked God, if you could, t if you teach me this instrument, I'll worship you the rest of my life on this, on this, on this keyboard. And that's from there. I could spend twelve hours on the keyboard. I don't even know it. I could spend ten hours, like eight hours on the keys. And uh, eventually, uh, that's how it happened. And along the way, people started helping me. They'll teach me this. They'll teach me that. And then it just kept on growing and kept on growing. So it was around year nine, year ten. No, that's good. And one thing I noticed because I mean, you already said you're a Bible man, so no one can complain. But you mentioned a lot that you you heard from God. You heard from God, and that might be foreign to a lot of people. So, I mean, does he talk? Like, what do you mean you hear from God? <laughs> I mean, I'm just asking that. Like, how how do you hear from God? Okay. Uh, let me ask you a question. What God is? What is he physical? What is he? God is is mighty spiritual is the creator okay, of the, the universe that's it god is spirit right he's spirit spirit do they speak english or french or japanese <laughs> um, you that's tell question, me that, that, that's a question you have to always ask because people ask so when god speaks does he say he he's spirit he speaks so your spiritual senses must first be awakened if god spoke if you were in the same room now and the voice of god came to both of us we'll both interpret in two different ways but the same core message will be given but you might see for example if god the way god speaks to me and my brother is far different but we always get the same message and if, if there's one person now and he asks us to inquire of the lord about this person we will come up with the same thing but in two different ways i might see he might hear right because we have different night natures in the spirit so when i say the voice of the lord came to me um or God spoke to me. Um, it comes in a, you come into a knowing. See the things of spirits. If you work in the in the like, if you start growing in the spirit, you start you come into a knowing, and you find this with those who meditate a lot, right? You come to just start knowing things. You don't know how you know, but you just know. You can meet somebody now, know things about them. You don't know how you know, but you just know. So when the voice of the Lord comes to me, comes as a knowing. I just know what to do immediately. It's like, it's like a download. You just know what to do immediately. And sometimes you can have an inner witness. There's a sign, right? But obviously these things, I don't want to go into too depth because this is not a, a platform to be teaching, um, to doing teachings. But ultimately, when the voice of the Lord comes to me, it's a spiritual sign. It's a spiritual sign. Come, that sign can come with a knowledge. You come into the gate of intuition, which is what I call it, the gate of intuition, where you come to a knowing. As you press on in the spirit, you come you stay long in prayer. You you just start knowing what you have to do, what you need to do. When when spirits teach people, they don't teach them in English. They will literally stretch forth their hand and you begin to just know. If you were to appear in the spirit realm now, you know my name without knowing me. You know <laughs> what I do without knowing me. But how you press on into that realm, depends. Depend, it depends on how, whether you receive the impulses. Some people now will say, what well, I'm saying is no, I don't believe it. Those who walk in this room will tell you they will know what I'm saying, right? Um, so the voice of the Lord is not English, it's not Spanish, it's not Japanese, it's spirit, and spirit represents itself in your spirit. So when the voice of the Lord hits me, I know if God speaks to me about someone, I know I'll just come into knowing it's called the knowing of revelation. But you know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and that's that's the best way I can describe it. You don't know how you know, but you just know. But you mm -hmm. spend long in the place of prayer. And then you open that realm to you. It takes a while, but eventually that those realms open. Wow, that that's um that's really powerful. And I guess just to sort of wrap this up, so twenty twenty two, what what do you think, or what do you know that you need to be doing this year, and and how do you plan to to finish the year well? Um, I'm just the same thing that I, I tell my young was. I'm just gonna do the little things well, um, do the small things very well, um. Finish with the, the masters. Finish with um, going to work. Um, the other visions and the other things that I need to do, I'll start working on them and planning. Just being disciplined with the small things, do them very well, and eventually things will work out for 2022. Um, I bring my goals down, bring the things I need to get done. Um, balance ministry, balance all of these things, and then and eventually do the small things well, and I'll get there to the end of 2022, and I'll be happy. That goes good. Mm -hmm.
Amazing, amazing. And I hope it goes very well for you. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Please let them know where they can find you and follow you and also support you. Yeah, so um, I think I'm on Instagram, Arinze David. I'm on YouTube, Arinze Keys. Um, I'm on Spotify, Arinze Keys. I'm on LinkedIn, Arinze David Nwana. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, make sure to give it a five-star rating and leave a review. Alternatively, you can send us a DM on Instagram at Valuable Podcast and sign up to our newsletter at ValuablePodcast.com. Remember, increase the value you provide and you'll rise in due time.